I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm willing to work as hard as I can. There is no past, there's no future, there's just this moment right here. If I did that, if I can get through that, like, come at me. Changing how I saw myself, like, as a man, not just as, as an athlete. It's okay that I struggled. It's okay, that's part of the deal. It's how I responded. This is the Limitless Athlete Podcast. I'm Tom Foxley, founder of MindsetRx and your host. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Mike Banner. Mike is a, he offers a really nice perspective through social media on kind of health generally. And we today discuss mental health. And there's some really key insights between mental wellness, mental fitness, and then on the other side, mental illness, and where that threshold really lays. And that is the main point of today's conversation. And for every listener, I think what this does is provide us a a real kind of framework with where we're operating and what kind of help we should seek. Because if we're working the mental fitness, then you kind of find someone like myself. Or if you're working in the mental health side, the mental illness side, then that's a, a sign not to kind of work with someone like me and to seek more specialist help. So it's a really interesting conversation and I hope you enjoy it. Mike, welcome to the show, dude. Um, really looking forward to speaking to you. Likewise. Thanks for having me. My absolute pleasure. So I was thinking about this conversation in advance, obviously. And I was thinking, like, how can we bring value between the two of us? Like, what where's the kind of the center of the Venn diagram between what we what we do here? And I think it's like correct me if I'm wrong, or if you'd like to go somewhere else with this, but I think establishing the line between like well, this is the CrossFit continuum of health through um, of wellness, sickness, um, and fitness. And mm-hmm. I know I focus on the wellness through fitness part, mm-hmm. but I think that is such a a blurry gray area between the wellness, sickness on the mindset side of things. Especially, like I'm looking at the the physical side of things now, and it's like CrossFit makes they don't always have the best indications of health as, as such, but like, I think well, they do a pretty good job. This, like they're saying it's based on blood pressure, body fat, bone density, triglycerides, like HDL, LDL, like they have these physical markers for what is between wellness and fitness. And I was hoping yeah. we could establish like between us, what would be your consideration? We'll have our best stab at it anyway, of like of the, the mindset side of that. Like what, what are the, the key markers that we're, we're looking at? I think that's a really, really interesting topic to explore, and I think that it is it, that it is one that is. I don't know if it's poorly understood or poorly explained, or one that's just difficult because I think it involves an awful, awful lot of self awareness, um, and I think that mental, sort of mental fitness, when it comes to. I guess things like achievement and purpose and all of those sorts of things, and particularly when it comes to performance for people like athletes, I think can happen in a complete, almost in a separate space to your mental fitness and mindset and performance when it comes to other areas of your life or your actual mental well-being. So I kind of almost sometimes even see it in a slightly different plane or a different 
different landscape i suppose because i think there are there are um again like like sort of delving straight into a in, into a slightly contentious topic <laughs> i think that there are a lot of people who um who utilize fitness as i guess a way to improve their mental health which i think as we all know fitness and physical activity have incredibly positive uh properties when it comes to mental well-being and mental health um but i think that there are also other things that people might need to do to improve their mental health and to improve their mental fitness that i think that sometimes we replace with things like fitness because we want to do the thing that we like that helps with our mental health but we might not want to do some of the things that we might not enjoy as much to help with our mental health so i kind of think that there is this possibility that you've got um people who are incredibly high performing in fitness and have this kind of mindset that is just almost that just appears bulletproof because they can just take beatings and just relentlessly they perform suffer under, really well under this pressure yeah absolutely um but then abs- is that is that translating into how they live their life in other ways is it translating into into their actual happiness for example and their mental well-being generally speaking i don't know if that's always the case what are your thoughts on that so i've definitely worked with athletes who are killers on the crossfit competition floor mm-hmm. and then they have like this very tough resilient mindset where it's like they can work themselves through the ground to, and to the ground because they know like i kind of alluded to like they know how to suffer really really well um yeah and the way i view kind of character skill is there's archetypically masculine character skills and archetypically feminine um character skills so character skill being slightly different from character trait obviously character trait being like a psychological this is somewhat set once you reach 25 or so um whereas like the skill is what you can use to in my opinion outbalance that or kind of or leverage it or trying to overcome the certain limitations that for example neuroticism might might hold and the the advantages that also gives you and i find that a lot of athletes they find they work incredibly hard in these masculine archetypes or these masculine character skills like um determination grit um and discipline but then those are the only tools they have so they don't have the more archetypically feminine things of wisdom nurturing self-compassion patience like all that kind of what would be represented by the archetypical uh, feminine within like a within a play within a narrative like that mm. so yeah like i absolutely see that yeah i think it is it it's a fascinating kind of it is really fascinating because i i think like, like you say a lot of a lot of the ways that we um define mental resilience and define people's like success at life is their ability to suffer without either complaining or without appearing to suffer but i'm always fascinated to explore like whether those people are actually suffering whether they just find it easier than other people whether by not openly suffering or not admitting to their suffering they are genuinely suffering less or ultimately suffering more um i don't know the answers to these questions um i just like asking them because i i think it is i don't know i think that there is this kind of this in sort of motivation world and like we see it even in even in these sorts of closed 
um, structures, like the NHS, for example, there is this focus on resilience because there's not much else that that people can be told to do other than like try harder to be less miserable with the situation because the situation isn't going to change. Mm-hmm. And I think there is a lot of there is a lot of power in that, but there's also a lot of disempowerment because it it potentially prevents us from changing the things that we're not happy with because we're sort of more accepting of discomfort and unhappiness. And while that's potentially a really useful thing to have in a CrossFit competition, it might not necessarily be a useful thing to have in your in your career or in your um in your lifestyle, like in your in your general sort of day-to-day life and and your general happiness and what you're giving to others, for example. So I do think it's um I do think it's really hard to get that right. And especially like in today's day and age where you know everything is Instagram memes and reels and and motivational quotes and and people like having to be strong and tough in front of a picture of someone like out of Peaky Blinders or whatever. And I kind of think that on on some level, it is so useful to have, you know, to be reminded that we are capable of more and that we can achieve more and that we can do more, but also to understand that there's a bit of a limit. And I think that's the biggest thing that I struggle with in, like, I guess the fitness industry at the moment is that there seems to be either this kind of slightly dichotomous narrative like you either sit in the in the frame of mind of oh you know it's good to just really move your body and to just listen to how your body feels and don't put yourself under too much pressure to be too great at performance and don't worry about your um about your body fat and don't worry about this and don't worry about that and don't worry about the other and then this other side where you must be relentless and shredded and really great at everything. Otherwise, you're a complete failure at anything to do with fitness. And I always like to find this kind of middle ground of understanding that like quite a lot of people really don't enjoy fitness that much, but it would benefit almost, well, everybody to do, you know, to do more of it. And how do we help people understand that, yeah, you don't have to feel like a total failure if you're not really brilliant at it, but you probably could be doing a little bit more and a little bit better than you currently are under the right framework of thinking. And that's where I that's where I'm really interested. And this is why like and like your focus is on kind of high performance and, and and all of that sort of stuff, which I think is amazing and is a world I don't really understand that well, if I'm completely honest. But I love that sort of middle ground where people can find magic in I want to say find magic in mediocrity because it's great alliteration but I don't really mean mediocrity because actually it is an incredible sweet spot for people to be able to find but I kind of think that like a lot of people struggle because they don't necessarily fit into those two extremes Mm -hmm. and they don't really know where to go yeah well it's it's two sides of an arch that you have to build from a the way I view it from being a mindset coach, two sides of an arch that you need to build to kind of create pressure between them. So it's not an either or approach with like, you're just the grit your teeth, alpha um, kind of Navy SEAL following kind of like grit yourself up and just smash through problems and don't accept that you're not just that you have an element of it, but like that's important. Um, And you're also the more nurturing soft like the more you can feel like yin and yang masculine feminine light and dark like the the representative of those character skills so it's blending both of them you you said around um around like that suffering piece as well and i think there's quite an interesting perspective like are you suffering for something like it, 
basically is the is the suffering worthwhile for you and is it serving you i think and yeah. there's this idea that well meaning is the antidote to suffering if you've and that meaning is individual right like i'm sure mm -hmm. to get where you've got to in your career you had to go through a lot of suffering in terms of all flowers like not not ideal conditions there's a lot of suffering hard work intellectual drive like the suffering that people would view but if that's individually meaningful to you that's the goal that you take um, or the, the direction you take similarly like crossfit games athletes has an individual meaning but like some people get caught up into the idea of like this is what i should be doing and that's the direction they take and the goals they pursue in terms of mm. for example training um like i should be hitting the gym five times a week as opposed to what's individually meaningful to me maybe that's a, I don't know, a salsa lesson like maybe it's uh, yeah, like uh something there a hundred percent and I, I think that I mean, what you say is quite right about that, about meaning. I, I think that for everybody and for every goal, I think there's a certain amount of where expectation bleeds into what you want for yourself. Um, again, I, th I think it's really, it's really interesting because I think a lot of people, a lot of people sort of look at look like a career in medicine, for example, and think, oh, you know, that's really impressive. Like you pushed yourself really hard to, to do that and all of that kind of stuff. And um look i'm I'm quite a naturally self-deprecating person and, and i often play down my achievements a bit but in this particular case i mean i sort of feel like i i've i've carried a huge amount of privilege in my life in terms of um i was lucky enough to be raised by people who thought being a doctor was a really cool thing to do um i was lucky that they made me do my homework and it was not optional i was lucky that i had um a bunch of you know iq points or whatever you want to call them that were sort of naturally built into me that i was you know i had the level of intelligence required to do these things i was at a great school not a private school but an incredibly high performing school um where i was pushed to kind of reach my academic limits and so all i really had to do was tick the boxes there was no risk involved you know i look, I look at people who set up private businesses and set up companies and become you know hugely successful in that and think that's really impressive because I didn't really have to I didn't really have to worry about anything I just had to try um and so I'm not saying it was easy it was hard work and I did it but I think that that part of that was you know I was infused with both what was important to me and my expectation of uh, expectation of myself but also the expectation of other people like I've sort of been given all of this stuff and all of this privilege. What am I going to do with it? I would have felt immensely ungrateful if I had turned around and pursued my actual dream career of working in a record shop at the time, which would have been a terrible idea because they don't even exist anymore. Um, and so I think, that, yeah, it's, it's finding that intersection between what's important to you and what isn't. But what I'm always really fascinated by is that these were like, these were non-negotiables to me. I had to pass my exams. Otherwise, I would have had to spend the summer revising for resets and nobody wants to do that. But if you'd asked me to go for a 5k run at that time, I would have felt incapable. And I, I think that what's really interesting to explore with that is the difference between what we are actually able to do and what we want to do and where we find those things. Because actually, of course, I was capable of doing a 5k run. I had no interest in doing a 5k run and I had no need to do a 5k run. So therefore, I would never have been a been quote unquote been able to do it. But I'm really fascinated in the idea that I had never pushed myself 
physically to, to to any sorts of limits to achieve anything until I was a, like a fully grown adult and until I I decided I needed to get fitter and healthier and so obvious question and started... what was what was the tipping point I think it was multiple tipping points I think it was that there was always an inherent desire there was always that background that background idea that everyone has that oh one day I'd I need to lose weight one day I need to lose weight and it was always it was always about losing weight for me but it was it, it sort of became more about actually I also want to be a bit healthier and a bit fitter and I, I want to be able to run for the train and not feel like I'm I'm gonna die at the end of that. Um and actually a, a very, very physically fit friend of mine uh, had a heart attack very young. Um and it he was a little bit older than me at the time, but it was it was quite a frightening experience because I thought, well, if you know, if somebody like him at an age a few years older than me can have a heart attack then i'm in huge amounts of trouble because he's training all the time eating pretty well um doing all the things that you need to do to not have heart attacks and he's still having a heart attack and here i am making no effort whatsoever to try and look after myself this is now becoming to a point where if i if i don't do if i don't physically do something something bad's going to happen and i think that was probably it's probably just you know when we're young when we're in our adolescence and even our early 20s i think I don't think we truly believe that any of that stuff is actually going to happen to us. We're sort of, we've got that, like that youthful invincibility. And so I think it was a combination of things. I think it was a combination of, of desire and also empowerment. It was, it was a time when I first started to get into using social media and I first started communicating with people outside of my, you know, I guess, slightly workaholic hospital medicine people. And started learning a bit more about what it would actually take to do that and it turned out it wasn't that much um and i got help from people and it was like the rest was history once i sort of started to see results and started to see the impact that that like the positive impacts that it had on my life it was it was pretty easy to continue selling it to myself but the thing that i have always struggled with and continue to struggle with is that kind of pushing beyond discomfort when it comes to trying to achieve those things because i always went for the path of least resistance because i was much more interested in the outcome and i was i was like well, how can i do this without breaking a sweat how can i do it without being really out of breath because i really don't like being out of breath you know all of those sorts of little things that we that we sort of tell ourselves um and in more recent times i've tried harder to embrace those things a little bit more because a lot of people seem to actually quite enjoy them and i wonder why some people enjoy them so much and i don't so it's sort of something that that i keep trying to embrace a little bit more and i guess putting myself in in situations where i have to at least try and do that with mixed results well it's a, it's a tough thing to do isn't it because you're physically and like looking at it through an evolutionary lens you're leaving yourself for for dead on the savannah floor waiting <laughs> to be eaten by a lion so there's there's that exactly. um built into you and then there's the also the kind of the psychological side of it as well of like if i try and fail then what does that mean about who i am mm. whereas if we've kind oh, of yeah. um yeah had the, the i'm putting my own hand up here it's like if you've kind of like been somewhat uh fortunate with the 
the kind of genetic um, lottery and you haven't had to learn to work hard until you got to a certain point in your life. And then it's mm-hmm. like, why am I falling behind where I, whereas I breeze through everything for so long, then like developing that, that association with hard work and actually giving yourself that little dopamine bump that comes along with the the self-rewarding mechanism of like, oh, this hard work is good and it's moving me yeah. close towards my goal. That is, yeah. that takes like, that's an interesting thing. Cause like, it seems like that perspective, just holding that perspective can give you that little bit of like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm moving now. This is what I want. This is a good thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's that, that remembering that actually for some people, I mean, if it's part of your core values that, I don't know. So, so I think for me, I want to feel like I'm putting effort into things. I don't really like to just do things like in a lackluster sort of way. So let's say I'm going to the gym and this is what was happening actually until fairly recently. I was going to the gym really regularly and I was training, but I wasn't really making the most out of all of my sessions. And I was sort of something wasn't fitting in my head. I wasn't happy with it and I didn't really know why. And I think it's, it's that sort of sense of triumph that you have put an effort into something. My parents always used to say this thing to me, like I used to get really frustrated because if I didn't do well in an exam, my parents would always get really annoyed with me. They might deny this in hindsight, but it was true. They used to get really annoyed with me. And I used to go, why, why are you like this? Like all of my friends say that their parents say to them, as long as they try their best, then they'll be happy. Um, like, why aren't you happy that I tried my best? And they were like, well, because you didn't try your best. Otherwise, you'd have done better. And it was it was quite a harsh sort of reality. But they were like, well, we know that you can do it. So why didn't you do it? And then, you know, when you're forced to sort of actually reflect on whether you truly tried your best in a situation, I think often we, you know, we let ourselves get away with excuses and 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 reasons about things when, you know, when we could have done a little bit better. I think there's plenty of times when we put, way too much pressure on ourselves to overachieve uh, in an unrealistic manner but there are also sometimes when we just sort of let ourselves get away with it a little bit too much and i'm definitely definitely guilty of that when it comes to sort of fitness and exercise but you're human no surely not i know you struggle yeah but i say but i mean when i say i'm guilty of that sometimes i mean like i was guilty of it maybe three four times a week (laughs) in Mm -hmm. all of my gym sessions and you know i was like I don't know, maybe miscounting a few reps here and there, not going to full depth on those split squats, those sorts of things. But it's just happening more and more. And I think the more you let yourself get away with those little things, it just builds and builds and builds and builds Mm. until you're just not really putting in any effort at all. What's interesting about that is there's the kind of, there's the the hardship that is the right type of hardship that you need to embrace. And I actually encounter a lot of the other side of it, which is CrossFit athletes who have become so comfortable with the uncomfortable that they don't know how to find and embrace the uncomfortable outside of the gym. They'll mm-hmm. smash themselves with deadlifts and like just walk out there with their CNS fried, but they don't know how to take the act of like, let's call it what it is, self-love and recuperate, regenerate, like actually heal and serve themselves. Yeah. Like, so it's a, I think it's a very specific thing for you as an individual. It's like, what, what is the hardship 100%. that you need to embrace and like how you can do that? And then, then we bring into the equation, like, okay, what's your personal meaning associated with that? And then if we bring into what you said previously, which is like, well, what changed the, um, 
the decision to like, oh, I want to be healthy. It was actually a whole heap of pain, that realization about your friend having a heart attack and the fear associated with that. So the idea that maybe fear is a beneficially motivating factor in that as well, that's an interesting thing to think about because we're always given the idea of like, oh, you just want to set your goals and go towards what you actually want. But like fear and hurt are equally powerful, equally powerful motivating factors. Yeah, 100%. And I think we've always got to be really careful about using, I guess, using fear and, and, and sort of negative emotions as, as motivators, because sometimes that can lead to bad stuff as well. But but again, it's it, it, like you say, it's so individual. Um, and it's really interesting to hear you talk about it, because I sort of feel like, I guess, like, from from my perspective as a GP, I'm constantly trying to get people to do more with their lifestyle than... I am to try and get people to slow down a little bit like you know like you might be in those sorts of situations where you're you're able to you know to recognize that people are smashing themselves in crossfit um, but need to look at sort of other other aspects of their life whereas for me it's kind of the other way around so it, it's interesting that I have this focus that we're all cap- we're all probably capable of a little bit more than we're doing because that's my perspective from you know in, in the world that or, or this little bubble that I live in um whereas almost you know your perspective will often be the opposite won't it because you're you're dealing with a you know people that probably need a little bit of a rest yeah well it's both the selection bias of both of us the people who are finding their Mm -hmm. way to you are the people who are not necessarily looking after themselves some of them in in the way that they could be i'm sure there are plenty that are and then the other way is like people who are just not looking after themselves in a different way um people come to me Mm -hmm. and they need to to bridge that gap mentally and emotionally so I really want to like say or ask you the question like what are the red flags that you look out for that are kind of this is a sign that this person needs to pay attention to their mental health um I think that there are so many and again they're quite individual but um I think and I think that also I, we don't I don't know that we need even red flags I just think everybody probably needs to pay a bit more attention than they probably do to their mental health, unless, you know, they're, they're people that are already in the throes of mental illness, in which case they probably are, you know, are paying attention to it because because they're ill from it. Um, but I think we all could stand to to have a little bit more of a focus on it. And it's not necessarily about um, about the things that we think it's about, but it can be about missing other things that that you know that support our mental health without even without even realizing it and i think that is sort of the red flag in itself is that i think that most of us do a lot of things in our lives that are really positive for our mental health and do a lot of things in our lives that are really negative for our mental health but i don't know that we generally have a real grasp on what those things are and i think this is one of the things that we saw a lot over covid was that you had suddenly people who were used to, you know, going for a drink with their friends after work um, or going for a coffee with friends, going to the gym, um, going out and meeting people, all of this kind of stuff that suddenly was just like disappeared overnight. And you notice this huge increase in in people struggling with their mental well-being. And of course it did. And people were like, why do you think that, that this is happening? I said, well, describe me a typical day before you were in a pandemic. And they would describe those things that I mentioned. So we'll describe me a day now getting up, sitting on a on a um, on a laptop at home, 
trying to wrangle your kids and teach them how to to do maths that you don't remember how to do while also doing your job from home um and then maybe drinking a bit too much alcohol and going to bed you know it was kind of all of these things that 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 again i think until you shine a light on those things you don't realize the power that 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 all of these little things have for our mental health so i think actually having some self awareness about what the things are that that bring you and i i don't like to say joy because i think joy and positive mental health are, are slightly different things the the things that you need in your life the things that you need in terms of connection in terms of um rest in terms of um you know talking to people about your problems actually exploring kind of how you're feeling mindfulness all of those sorts of things um i think we probably are generally as a as a as a species just not very good at, at having our heads around that Mm-hmm. Well, I think partly that's um, societal kind of norms of work hard, Absolutely. work hard, work hard, play hard, like, and mm-hmm. without having the the nourishment and the recuperation that is um, so necessary. Like, the the thing that is such a cliche. I learned so much from my dog. He just like for ninety percent of the day on my waking hours, he just lies down there chilling out, mm-hmm. like. Doing yeah. classic downward dogs, occasionally mobilizing, yeah. um, and just like pretty chill out. And then ten percent of the day, he is undescribably crazy, just running around, yeah. sprinting around, like chewing everything, destroying what he can. And like, yeah. it's I'm not saying we're obviously not the same as dogs, <laughs> obviously, but we are mammals, and we do have that like yeah. that ratio is somewhere probably not quite the same, different <laughs> different aspects. Um, but there's there's some form of like nourishment that is entirely missing. And the other piece that you mentioned that is so important is connection from what I Mm -hmm. see is like, it can be quite a lonely pursuit wherever you are on that sickness, wellness, Mm -hmm. fitness continuum to be doing whatever you're doing in your life can feel lonely, but that connection Mm -hmm. piece, whether you're like pushing the fitness side or the sickness piece is, is so essential for so many reasons like you look at nerve system regulation as one of the primary tools i use it's like who can you mm-hmm. who can you get out there and, and connect with that you actually care about and yeah. they care about you yeah yeah exactly and also having like using that for sort of meaningful conversation and, and actually talking about you're talking a little bit about how you're feeling and being a little bit more open about it and actually being willing to say actually today was a bit rubbish or i don't know i i i think again because even as i say those things I know that that's the thing that some people struggle with. And then other people might struggle with, you know, ruminating too much on how rubbish their day was and, and not having gratitude or something like that. So again, I think it, it it does genuinely look different for everybody. But I mean, to, to come back to your original question, which was kind of red flags, I suppose real red flags is when people's mental health is clearly suffering. So, you know, when people are are feeling down, when they're struggling with with their sleep or their appetite or they're just having a lack of motivation or energy levels or you know just seem to be to be worn down by stress um or just sort of feeling a bit hopeless i suppose mm-hmm. um again and the, there's other sort of things you know on different sort of spectrums of, of mental health concerns with regards to kind of stuff like anxiety and things as well that i just think that there are so many um i guess red flags but they all sort of center around um just 
warning signs that that things aren't how they're supposed to be i suppose Mm -hmm. what's interesting though about that is some of those like those can all appear when life is just difficult Mm. so you're going through a shit time and you're learning to figure it out that is going to feel really difficult it doesn't mean at the same time that you are like mentally ill like it means that you're you're oh, struggling 100%. with this yeah. and you need to overcome it. And like there's you wouldn't we wouldn't experience anxiety if it wasn't evolutionarily beneficial at some points. Does that apply yeah. to every scenario? No. Does it apply to like our our moment in time right now where evolutionarily we're in a completely different scenario to where we currently are? It's it's a it's a difficult situation to manage and it's compounded by the problem that your mental experience your mental emotional landscape is the only experience you know so you've got no reference point of what it's like outside and like and really your past is your past and that's just your memory so how well do you remember that and the future that you're worrying about so you all you have is this this moment in time now so it's so difficult to i always get this phrase wrong see the wood for the trees or whatever that fucking phrase is yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And and, and yeah, to, to, to touch on that a little bit, I think there is a huge amount of over pathologizing of emotions. I think I think that, you know, we need to recognize that um that emotions are normal and it's normal to feel a certain way and we don't have to we don't have to diagnose everything. And I think that that, you know, with this kind of thirst for information that we have about everything now, you know, if a thought pops into your head and you want to know the reason or the square root of a number or anything, you just jump on Google and find it out. So we are getting accustomed to having an answer and an explanation for everything at the moment. And I think that we struggle to sit with that uncertainty sometimes. I think the key to point out just, you know, from a, to I just because I think it would be irresponsible of me to, to not mention this when I've just said those things, is just that there's a difference between having an emotion that passes or having an emotion that's associated with a particular time in in your life that might be temporary and having a you know these having persistent and kind of unstoppable and insurmountable levels of those emotions i think that's when it becomes a bit more problematic but so speaking if it's if your emotions sort of seem to be disproportionate to the situation um <clears throat> or those sort of those sort of problems like feeling anxious seems to be disproportionate to the situation i think that's when it's time to be to be looking at it a little bit more closely um particularly if it's if it's persistent or or like i said sort of un unstoppable i guess nice yeah so persistence and disproportionate as well like that's the that's what we're looking at there nice that's a that's a really really useful thing to have in mind because if it's um I think we we know whether we're just struggling with a very specific problem and if we figure that problem out like or it's could be just a time thing with like let's say you're going through a breakup and you've been with that person mm-hmm. for I don't know best part of a decade that's going to feel painful yeah. it might be of course somewhat persistent <clears throat> but you can imagine and I- if the problem be solved then that problem would go that emotional state may go away yeah. and that's a yeah. that's something to be aware of yeah, a hundred percent. But it also works both ways. Interestingly, like again, firstly, it's very difficult for someone to decide of how their feeling is disproportionate because what is who are we to say? Sometimes, you know, for some people, um, I've known people who have who have had two, I guess, say two bereavements, and one has been of like a you know a parent or something, 
And then they've lost a um a dog or a cat that they didn't even know that well at the time. And they've sort of come to me and said, I, I don't understand what is happening. I feel more broken by this loss than I did when my, you know, parent or partner or whatever passed away. And I don't understand why it feels so different. But sometimes the things are kind of interlinked with one another. But also these events, even if they are kind of time limited, like they can still cause us to have like pathological, like, you know, depression or anxiety, for example. One of the things that I often ask patients, if 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 somebody comes in and says, you know, I'm just having a really tough time at the moment, and they might describe like exactly like you said, relationship difficulties, job difficulties, life difficulties, financial difficulties, and all of this kind of whole atmosphere of 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 a difficult time and it's difficult to tell whether they are you know truly depressed or whether they're just having a difficult time and and often a question that I ask is if I could take out a magic wand and fix all of those specific problems that you told me which are outside of you how do you think that you'd feel and they might say I think I'd be fine Um, but some people might find that even though all of those problems are fixed they still feel awful but it doesn't also mean that if you have got unfixable problems that are going to be there for a long time and they are causing you a persistent low mood that can still be like a depression even if it is what we might call a reactive depression so it's a depression sort of in a reaction to to situations rather than you know everything's perfect in my life but I just can't stop crying that sort of thing which which obviously some people experience as well yeah yeah and I suppose again we are at that problem of like you only know your experience so you don't know what can be problems that could be sorted out as well like if i yeah. the reason i'm saying that is i'm thinking as, as you're speaking i was kind of my mind went back to when i was like i'd probably say struggling struggling with my mental health i wouldn't be able to say any more formally than that or any more prescriptively than that when i was like late teens early 20s had a really difficult time like i just thought that my life was my life mm. and that was how i'd be kind of carrying it on for the rest of that but yeah. looking back at it there were very specific problems that i needed to solve for example having some direction in my life that i needed to be taught and like that it just seems like such a kind of a mess in terms of, it's so like difficult to get purchase on because there's like yeah there's there's a there's a problem but i can't see the problem and like that's also something we we encounter too massively and and i think this is the difficulty is that you know where do you find those answers and really the the answer to that is either in your community or in yourself yeah and so a lot of people if they don't have that community support or they don't have the right people to tell them those things then they might not find those answers and it's really sad because mm. there are like you say there are often things that you can do and i think when you are struggling and when you are in that mindset you are often more likely to reject the suggestion that things could change as well because i think people often resign themselves to it because it's easier again like what you said before really resonated with me about how we don't want to try to fix something because then if we don't fix it then we've also failed on top of it not being fixed mm-hmm. And I think that that's quite a common theme among these sorts of scenarios as well. Yeah. It's a way of um, admitting the problem's real if you put effort towards it. Yeah. 
yeah and it's it's quite hard to I think it's quite hard to kind of figure out that there are that there might be problems in your life let's say for example that would be fixed by undertaking a certain course of action that you're not prepared to undertake and it can be quite difficult to be honest and say I know that this course of action will fix this problem but I'm not willing to undertake it and figuring out why you might not be willing to undertake it I think again you know we we can often be our worst enemies in in this sort of these sorts of processes but I think a lot of it comes down to this kind of idea of self-preservation and I think sometimes self-preservation is a bit of a, a misnomer because it's doing quite quite the opposite rather than preserving us it's kind of preserving our sort of um you know our sort of in the moment preserving what we think about ourselves but it might not be actually to our benefit well it's solving for stability as opposed to unpredictability yeah, exactly and like we are so solidified in the known at that point that like anything from the outside from the unknown seems threatening and disrupting to yeah. that whereas yeah. like we want like actually what we need is partly the courage but also the guidance to step into the unknown and learn what we need to learn which is yeah. a hugely threatening thing to do like think yeah. about what that represents to the individual going through yeah. that it's everything they don't want it's like yeah. fear injury death starvation like vulnerability like that's what's representative of that like yeah. and like taking a step into that is a it's a terrifying thing to do definitely so i think we've got some some really nice points around like what sep what, like i think we've made that gray area a little bit more like uh definable um mm -hmm. and i really think that the idea of um whether it's persistent or whether it feels disproportionate are two mm -hmm. very useful things that people can can take away and also when the physiological effects of this so sleep appetite feeling very worn down on a consistent again persistent basis um when mm -hmm. those are long lasting and again maybe disproportionate results of the environment that you're in mm -hmm. like yeah. maybe that's a way to think am i do i need to approach like the, the mental illness side or the mental kind of fitness side of, of this equation yeah yeah and which again is i think a question that many people struggle to answer isn't it mm -hmm. i think people yeah. don't don't know where where normality is a lot of the time exactly exactly one final question mm -hmm. what do you do on a regular basis for your own mental health um that's a very very good question and it's it's one that i have actually reflected on quite a lot recently um i I think for me, like socializing is one of my biggest, one of my biggest things. And I found that again, through the pandemic, obviously that was, that was interrupted quite considerably. And what, what I found really interestingly is that since, um, since those things have changed, I found that I've enjoyed more meditative practices more than I thought I might, because I was sort of forced into them. And I don't mean by that things like meditation, because I'm one of those people that just continues to struggle with with meditation. Um but something I got I got really into in the I'm just laughing because it's it's so cliché but it's so true. In during the pandemic I got really into baking. I set myself baking challenges. I had to bake something every week. 
And what it would do, it it was really great, actually. And I don't really know if I was conscious of how great it would be and how positive it was for my mental health. But it's something that I've seen so much of recently because these memories keep popping up on, you know, on like on Instagram memories and Facebook memories and stuff of of these these kind of things that I did during lockdown. And it's really interesting kind of looking back and thinking, actually, that sort of saved things a little bit for me because every week I would have this purpose that I was going to learn how to do something i was going to do it i was going to have created something at the end of it and then i was going to share that something with people i cared about you know whether it was with seeing them when that was permitted or by dropping off little goodie bags round i'd i'd drive around and and drop off like i'd make a big cake or something or um or like cookies or whatever and i'd just drop one off round the every like all of the people that i wanted to and it gave me this like amazing sense of I was still sharing food with people, even if I couldn't see them. I was still doing something. I was still achieving something. I was impressed by the fact that I was able to learn a new skill. So but but I think the biggest thing about it for me was the fact that when I was doing it, because it would take me hours to do it because I w- I'm completely inexperienced with it. I can't do anything quickly. And I would just have music on and just be with my own thoughts, hands dirty so I couldn't touch my phone. And it would just be like everything else would shut off. Mm. And I, it, that was almost like, to me, that was kind of like my my meditation, I suppose, even though I know it's not it's not real well, meditation, it's all meditation by default. But Part of the purpose of, if there is a purpose of meditation, is to find beginner's mind. And that's exactly yeah. what you're doing there. It's like you're experiencing yeah. something for the first time. Like what I love about that is like, acts of service for other people like mm. that's ticked yeah. uh, the creativity and connection to your community as well like you found those three things in that that's that's amazing um love yeah. it dude love it dude um where can people find a little bit more about you um should they want to they can find <laughs> me at dr mike the second on pretty much every platform that exists just the same the same dr mike the second instagram even like TikTok. Oh, I didn't know you were on TikTok. So I've changed my opinion. Only, bit, but I'll, really, I'll let you off. I know. I know. I don't really do it. I'm just on it. I like TikTok is a big, a big, um, it's a time sink for me, but I find I've the algorithm for me is just perfect. So it's just yeah. entertaining, lighthearted things. Um, and so, you know, if I'm, if I want to annoy myself, I'll go on Twitter. If I want <laughs> to learn something, I'll go on Instagram. And if I want to laugh, I'll go on TikTok. Nice. I like the way yours are set up. I just was horrified by who the algorithm thought I was straight away. And I was like, nope, we're getting rid of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, dude, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate oh, it. Me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Limitless Athlete Podcast. Remember, if you're not subscribed, you may not get notified when new episodes come out. And also, if you're after more focused mindset training, head to my Instagram, give me a follow and you'll find me there, which is at Tom Foxley.